This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. When everybody was stuck in their homes, everybody was taking all different classes. I know Salesforce certification shot through the roof and everybody's trying to upskill themselves. My recommendation is don't stop that because the world is just changing. It's changing faster than ever before. You need to be upskilled and you need to be where the trends are, where the use cases are, and you need to be able to know what products are out there to be at the top. As it stands right now, automation and infrastructure investment, it always pays off. So why do companies put it off? Today on IT Visionaries, we're getting the answers from Jenny Kohler, Strategic Growth and Business Development Leader at PwC, and Patty Chung, VP of Alliances and Channels Americas at MuleSoft. So PwC is a leading consulting company that specializes in digital business. You already know that. MuleSoft is the world's number one integration platform, and its goal is to automate systems and empower customers and deliver a connected and fast experience. Jenny and Patty discuss with us today the importance of modernizing infrastructure, investing in modern technologies, and upskilling to promote business growth. Tune in to listen to their experiences in digital business and how they want to help others reach peak potential in the online era. Jenny, Patty, welcome to the show. Hi, Albert. Hi, Albert. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, listen, for those of you, you might remember Jenny from earlier. She's been on IT Visionaries before talking about how she's helping different clients move to the cloud and going through digital transformations. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about digital consultancy. For those who don't know what P- we'll start with Jenny, since you're, you've been on the show before. For those who don't know what PwC is, I think everybody knows, but maybe you don't. Jenny, can you tell us about PwC? And then Patty, definitely tell us a little bit about MuleSoft. Jenny. Yeah. Uh, Albert, what's well, good to be with you again. I guess I uh, did something at least a little bit right to be <laughs> welcomed back. So. Hey, you got 20,000 views on YouTube. So. <laughs> oh, well, let's try to do better this time. <laughs> um, I did not know that. Okay, so um, it's, uh, it's good to be back with you. So PwC, um, just to keep it very simple, it's one of the world's largest professional services firm. And um, you know we've got a heritage part of our business, which was probably what a lot of people know us as, which is you know audit and tax. And then we've got a you know quite sizable actually consulting business. I come from that part of our business, and I'm responsible for leading, as you did say, uh, our, our business development and strategic growth, which means a lot of different things for us. But um, it could mean partnerships, it could mean outright acquisitions. Uh, but really, it's against the backdrop of our mission right now, which is to build trust in society and drive sustained outcomes for our clients. And so um, when you and I last spoke, Albert, at that time, I was leading our cloud and digital business. And as a practitioner, that's the kind of work I do for our clients. But because we are on a mission to grow and to keep delivering even better things and outcomes for our clients, um, I'm focusing a little bit on this to, to help us on that mission. And Patty, if you don't mind, share a little bit about MuleSoft. We've had different MuleSoft team members on the show before, oh, but nice. in case anyone didn't hear the first time, Tell us what MuleSoft is and what it does and what you do. Sure, absolutely. So MuleSoft is the world's number one integration platform. Um, Our goal is to help our customers automate everything and empower everyone. Um, We deliver end-to-end automation and orchestration across all of your systems to deliver that connected customer experience faster than ever before. So partnering together with PwC, we're really able to create and deliver those art of the possibles for our customers together. 
And the way I describe MuleSoft, anyone out there listening, if you haven't heard one of my episodes with MuleSoft guests before, is MuleSoft connects the unconnectable. So if you're talking about data and systems that don't have a designated API to move that data between those systems, MuleSoft comes in and says, now you do. And it sounds like PwC is the group that can implement it because whenever I think about connecting the unconnectable, well, <laughs> that sounds hard. So I need some help. <laughs> and it's not just about the connections anymore. It's all about how do you connect and how do you, how do you automate as well? Exactly. And also the why, like, why do I need to do it? And what should I connect in order to bring these experiences together? So let's start there, you know, systematically, obviously there's the infrastructure that makes this possible, but there's also the decision-making that goes into making this possible because I know that most customers start with a problem. Like, hey, I want to solve this problem. They don't know how to get there. So we'll start with you, Jenny. Give us an idea. Like, tell us what it means to be in this space now, because I have a feeling customers are bringing bigger problems all the time. Like they're meeting like, or bigger challenges they want solved. Uh, things that they think are going to improve the customer experience for the for the greater of all customers, but they just don't know how to get there. Um, give us an idea of what's happening in the space. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you start with this question, Albert. It's um, you know, our our ethos as a consultancy is we'd like to tackle the problem, and the harder the better, I guess you could say. But I think the reality, I mean, we all know it. We've lived through, uh, you know, we're kind of normalizing out of a pandemic. I think we've seen what it accelerated in the world. I think uh, our clients, you know, any organization right now has got stakeholder expectations that have never been as high as they've been or as volatile in some cases as, as they've ever been. And then you've got a consumerism mindset that has shifted in such a way that, you know, every customer wants to be reached differently. They want things quicker. They want different channels. They want more digital, sometimes less human interaction. And so, you know, I think companies right now, um, you know, it's a great responsibility that they have to navigate that, but those challenges and opportunities have never been, you know, higher or more present. So, you know, the business problems that come from that or the business things that need to be solved, that's what gets us up every day and gets us excited. Um, you know, we have a fundamental belief that it will take a digital wiring and underpinning to be able to do that. That's just the reality for any company right now. And so that then spits off a slew of other challenges and complexities that need to be addressed. And so, you know, it gets to how to that degree of connectedness of data and connectedness of systems and ultimately for the, the ultimate purpose of connecting uh, more intimately with a customer base. So, um, you know, I think this is an exciting time to be in the field of business. I think um, any anybody running a business right now is wrestling with the weight of a lot of different questions from a lot of different places. And then more importantly, how to, how to make it happen and how to make it happen very fast. And then when those, you know, requests are coming in and of course, solutions are being developed, Patty, Give us an idea of what it means for a company like MuleSoft in regards to what your team is now responsible for developing, supporting, potentially implementing in regards to these systems. Because, you know, it's if you want, I always say this, if you want, you know, a tool to connect to another tool to deliver information between two tools and they've got APIs, it's not a problem, right? It's usually, it's typically not a problem, but that's not how legacy companies are built <laughs> and uh, legacy technologies are built. Give us an idea of what this is, what's happening to your side of the the equation where, you're responsible for the development, the architecture, the uptime, implementation, all these things on the technical level. Yeah, and I think this is where teaming together really does help because as Jenny was saying, we're, we're coming out of the pandemic, but we're all still facing tons of headwinds, labor mm. shortages, supply chain disruption, global inflation. 
And, you know, we might be coming out of the pandemic. We still have energy crisis, you know, humanitarian crisis that are going on. And like she said, ultimately, customers don't really care what your struggles are. And I think even on your past podcast, you talk about airline A and airline B, right? And which one has best customer service. Every business is being compared to the next and customers are just, you know, deciding where they receive the best customer experience and customers want to know who they, you know, want you to know who they are um, and treat them uniquely at every interaction. And I think this is where MuleSoft, along with PwC, how do we really come together to help our customers navigate this new world, right? And even when we go and deliver and connect these experiences, long-term plans are definitely necessary, but the future is becoming harder to predict every day. The next day, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and there's so many vectors of change that you know the organizations that do thrive in the digital economy are the ones that will adapt to these changes the fastest. And that's where we're really working with. That's why I kind of brought up automation as well. Um, the focus on growth, growth with efficiency and sustainability, uh, focus on productivity, you know, the need, the, the solutions that automate processes so they can do more with less. Uh, we're all together, MuleSoft and PwC, helping our customers meet those customer expectations, helping them enable their digital transformations and really adopting new operating models to reduce and rationalize their operating costs. And those are the ones that are going to survive and also capture those, those customers that care about every interaction that's out there. So that's phenomenal. You know, when I think about it as a consumer, I always think of things on the consumer level first. I know I'm not on the consultancy side anymore, but I always think of myself, what does that mean for me? Right. Cause I always want better, faster service. I think everyone agrees with that. And Patty, your point about comparing businesses, uh, it's actually gotten to the point where, and I, it's, maybe it's always been there, but it's clearly there now, which is people also compare industries. They don't even, they don't even try to say like, oh, airline A, airline B. They're like airline A to Amazon. You know what I mean? Like they, they're saying, this is the best of breed service. I want services like that here in this industry as well. I was hoping you could, and uh, if you have any stories, do you have any stories that you could share that kind of demonstrate this rapid change and the outcomes that have happened because of it? Because I think for most of us, we all learn best through stories, you know, understanding exactly what this industry looked like before you implemented this, then it looks like this on the on the other side. I'd love to hear any examples you have of like that rapid change in, in implementation of services, because I remember a time when I was an ERP consultant. Let me tell you something, making a change took years, <laughs> like it took forever, right? And it was a pain. And this is just 2006 and 2007. Give us an idea of what's happening now. Yeah, I actually think the pandemic is what really forced a lot of change happen. And even those that were kind of really legacy, I'll give you a perfect example on, you know, when the pandemic um, started, the SBA put out the PPP loan to help small businesses out there to, to take out loans. None of the banks, whether you were a small local credit union or your big, large enterprise behemoth banks out there were able to actually take applications kind of qualify those applications and be able to distribute the loans. And I've never learned so much about loan processing before, but <laughs> working with partners like PwC, we were able to actually create a framework and start develop, you know, start delivering those to these credit unions. So they, I mean, these are customers, their doors are shut. How do we actually go get these small businesses to apply with us to go get those loans, right? So 
while they didn't have a digital infrastructure, they were forced to very quickly make that rapid change so that they can go do this. And in the meantime, SBA is like, all right, this week we're launching, you know, three billion. Next week, you know, two weeks later, it was like another 1.5 billion. It's like, yeah. okay, they keep releasing money, but there was no way to get that money out to the businesses. And, you know, consultancies like PwC, along with MuleSoft, had to come together to help these companies actually be able to leverage this program. This, okay, I got a story about that. So Mission's a small business. We were directly impacted by it. We did apply for PPP. Let me tell you something. It was, people were freaking out because their bank didn't have a way to apply. And you would hear on the news, oh, this much has been applied for already. You know, like it was, you know, a number significantly greater than the allocation. And you were stuck. Like we were literally stuck. So I won't name our bank, but you know, they were one of the last to have a portal for it. I'll tell you that much because I could see it and feel it with other business owners because they were like, oh, I got mine through. I'm like, what are you talking about? We don't have a place to do this. Like it was it was a problem. Yeah. And it, it definitely changed our perception of our bank. Very like, to your point earlier. Right. We changed our perception of a bank very quickly because, you know, unfortunately, you can't apply unless you had an account with those banks. And so we didn't have an account with the ones that got the portal opened. I was like, this is a problem. Yeah. Jenny, I didn't know if you had any similar stories because that is a no. <laughs> I do. And so I'll, I'll just maybe pick a couple of my favorite um, customer kind of or consumer facing stories. And both of them are kind of very, di very different vectors. But what you'll hear they have in common is to be able to like pull it off. It requires this um, orchestration. I think Patty used that word, but this orchestration of a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes to make it happen. That has to, by the way, be seamless to a, a consumer or a customer, of course, because that's just just as the reality of expectations. But behind the scenes, there's a whole lot of stuff that had to come together and get engineered in such a way to make it happen. You know, we happen to believe that MuleSoft is one of those leading technologies that helps make that happen. It puts the stitching together and the wiring together in a way that facilitates the movement of data and the connection of systems and that speed. Um, but I'll give you two examples, you know, like, um, and this is a published case study that we have. So it's, it's one I can actually mention the name. But, um, you know, we we were instrumental in Chipotle's online ordering system, which, I mean, Albert, I'm sure you've used before, right? We all have. I love Chipotle. Um, <laughs> who, who doesn't? I mean, I mean, who doesn't? It's a fan favorite. So, I mean, but we, we were instrumental in that. And just think about all that goes on to make that happen, right? And what it has to connect to within a company's operations to know that that's what they've got to kind of generate and the experience has to be delivered a certain way. And so that's just one example of something that's, that, you know, it's a changing way a consumer wants to interact or a customer wants to interact with, um, you know, in this case, Chipotle, but how do they want that experience to be? And they have a, a necessity for a certain kind of speed. And if you're, if you're Chipotle as an operator, you need to be able to take that in and forecast what those things could be. You get a lot of data from that and what perhaps what people want at certain times of the day or where, when peaks will be. And so you can better plan for a lot of things like your labor and your ingredients and all of that. So um, the rubber hits the road when you kind of make those fundamental changes in your and how you engage with your customers. You know, I'll give you another example. I've got to keep the name of the client confidential, but it's a large pharmaceutical company. Uh, we worked with them and it was um, diabetes patients to help um, patients with diabetes find a better way to access and get their medicine. And the process before was highly manual very paper intensive, a lot of time on the phone 
to be able to navigate like a treatment plan um, and to make sure, which is it, as somebody on the other side of that, that's got a whole different weight than whether or not I got my oh, yeah. you know, burrito at Chipotle that day, right? <laughs> like it's a totally different end of a spectrum of like what it means to somebody personally and in a human level. But the experience was just such that it was just had this weight to it um, that made it untenable for people. And so, you know, we kind of helped figure out for this pharmaceutical company, how do you change that entire experience of engaging with your provider to be able to get the medicine you need um, when you need it. And so again, same, same concepts of like, as soon as you engage differently with your customer or patient or whatever that vector is, there's just so much that goes into connecting. What does it mean to your operations and what does it mean to your finances? And then that has to be delivered in such a way that's seamless. So I like the vector of growth and the consumers, they are driving so much change at companies and the operating module model changes that come with it and the channels by which we engage. It just forces a degree and a velocity of change, I think, on the technology side that's just fascinating to watch. And it's that kind of reinvention of a business and an interaction that it certainly excites us um, the most. But, you know, it changes the need for, say, a company and a partnership with like Nielsoft that is really kind of a hero behind the scenes to pull it off. Yeah. And, and I'm curious because, you know, this is something that I personally don't have as much experience with because I've had some enterprise accounts, but never, I think I've never worked with, um, when I'm back in my consulting days and software days, I never worked with a, a giant enterprise where I had to connect multiple systems. You know, most of my work was done in the marketing side, which was usually single system or big player to big player, meaning like our software connected to like Facebook or Instagram. And so we were using their APIs and we were just information trading. There's nothing like kind of like what you said, super critical. Um, give us an idea of why is this so hard? Because I think a lot of small to medium-sized business operators or tech companies that service small to medium-sized companies, they might not be as familiar because it, it, when you say it, it sounds easy. Like, oh, you want to add online ordering. Oh, okay. Can't, isn't there like some POS system you can just plug right in? Uh, and then the people just assume like, there, that's all. That's it. The orders show up on the you know, the receipt maker that that the produces the tickets or, you know, and Patty, in your case, like it just sounds like it'd be easy to create this form. It collects it in a database. This database then moves the form onto wherever the government wants it. It sounds easy, but it's not. And if I, could, I was hoping you could share like why, what are the challenges in front of a big company when they want to do something like that? I mean, we can start Patty with you. Like, why was it challenging to create this form? Because it sounds, it sounds like it should be easy. I think what makes it the most difficult is all the custom coding that has been happening for the last however many years that technology has existed, right? You buy the system and you do a lot of custom builds. So when you actually decide to pull one of those systems to say online processing or order management and you try and plug something else in, the language doesn't speak to each other anymore, right? So I think that is why it's the, the beauty of MuleSoft is we are agnostic to any system and it's, you know, People wonder why it's so difficult. And really, we, we've got to stop custom coding and we've got to start thinking about long term. Like I, I would say the hardest part of our salespeople's jobs is telling a customer to hold on. I know you have this big project that you want to do, but let's take a step back. And what are you trying to really achieve? Mm. What is that ultimate goal you're looking for to help your company with? right? Because you can't just look at it project by project. You really have to take a step back and look at it more holistically on, you know, what is your long-term goal and how are we going to get there? And what is the art of the possible, right? Um, MuleSoft kind of becomes that 
central nervous system that feeds out to all those other parts of the body, parts of the organization that can help you deliver quicker. And as there's new solutions or platforms that come to market, that's when you can truly plug and play without interrupting that central nervous system. And I would say that's where a lot of our customers are going. And you kind of talked about enterprise versus um, SMB and and mid-market. It's not really the you know, big eating the small anymore. It really is the the fast are going to eat the slow, mm. right? So if, if, if you want to continue to succeed, you have to move fast. And if that's one thing that anybody takes away from this um, podcast, I would say, think about your business, even your job, your role, uh, your everyday life. How can I move faster and quicker, be more creative or innovative or more agile? Um, these are the folks that are going to truly succeed into the future. That was a little preachy, sorry. <laughs> no, okay. but Patty, you're right. I mean, she said the dirty dirty word of custom code, right? That's like <laughs> caused a lot of this that needs to be unraveled. And I agree, by the way, Patty, I agree with that. Like we see it day in and day out when we come in to an organization. Like, and by the way, the world will be hybrid, right? The world will be hybrid cloud. There will be um, mm-hmm. certain legacy applications that may even remain on premise. Uh, but there's just technical debt abounding, I think, in general, and a lot of it comes from custom code. I think the other thing is, particularly large enterprises, it's probably a fairly certain statement that they've grown over the years, in some cases, by having to acquire, right? They've mm-hmm. made big bets. And so then you've, inha- you've inherited something, right? Yeah. And so in some cases, that a lot of maybe the old stuff wasn't decommissioned, and it just got thrown into the pile with everything else. And so it creates a degree of complexity, I think, in um, an environment over time and where you're going to spend your money, you've got to make strategic choices as an organization. So some of that you just may let ride for a period of time because you don't have a burning platform to get rid of it. Um, And the last thing I'd say is I think, and we know this, we know it because we're maybe all of us wearing something on our body that's creating data, but just think about the proliferation of data as the world has gotten more connected, Mm. right? So organizations have a weight of data that they collect about their employees, about their um, work, you know, the whole entire workforce in different in different ways about productivity. Then they've got their customers, and so there's just this proliferation of data. And I think I think you know we believe strongly at PwC that a large part of the value of an organization is Patty. Yes, to your point about those that move fast, but it's also those that can start to create their data set as like a strategic competitive advantage. You know, what do you learn about your customers and how do you actually harness that data in a way to make decisions differently and maybe reach a different a different base of, of customer or client or whatever they've got on the other end of their business? And so that's an asset. And there's more of that out there than ever before. So I think there there's just higher degrees of volumes and complexities that, you know, people need to figure out how to wrangle. And that's just kind of our reality. Now, the promise of cloud, of course, once you cross the chasm into the cloud, right? Some of this compute power and the like helps with that. And then the degree of standardization that a lot of those products will necessitate maybe gets rid of some of that customization. But, you know, we are obviously in the middle of that crossing of the chasm. So it's uh, tricky in the meantime, you know? You know, you both hit on the this idea of like the customization, the code layering. Um, there's also the acquisition. I, I tell the story before in, in previous episodes, I used to work as a, when I was an Oracle consultant, we worked with Echo Brands, which acquired another office supply company called like GBC. And I remember they wanted to maintain two independent Oracle instances. I was like, what? 
Like they, they literally, that was their decision. And then some of the people had cross-functional roles. So like, you know, like accounting, it could, you could account for GBC, you could account for ACO and they just told them you got to do both. <laughs> like the yeah. person had to lock into two instances of Oracle to do this and reconcile it outside of Oracle. I was like, I don't understand what the point of this, but it just shows like the, the costs of merging and making these calls is, is got to be substantial. There's a reason why they haven't done it. We also had a guest that just came on our show that does insurance and warranty and maintenance work on equipment, hardware equipment. He says some of the equipment they maintain is like over 40 years old. And so you're talking about companies that like have built through acquisition. They have software on top of software, customization on customization, possibly old devices mixed with new devices. So I'm curious in your opinion, because obviously moving to modernization is going to be good, but it's a huge cost. And Patty, you already hit the nail in it. Like, the faster going to eat the slow. At what point do you think these legacy companies are just going to be like, we have to modernize the whole stack software infrastructure. It's got to all be done and it's got to be done faster because the cost can no longer be the issue. Yeah. I actually think those that when, when cost becomes too high to support everything, right. And nobody like, you know, companies all siloed, no teams are talking together. Everybody's running their own projects. It's because they're all on different instances, right. A lot of people are afraid of, say, integrating that Oracle system because it takes work. It takes change. People are uncomfortable with change. But honestly, if you wait three, four, five years, that change is only going to get harder, tougher. <laughs> and the quicker you do it, the more you actually benefit as coming together. You know, I mean, you acquired this company for a reason. You want to bring those folks together and work off the same system so that everybody is speaking the same language. Jenny, have you ever seen someone save money by waiting? <laughs> no, it generally doesn't <laughs> okay. work out that okay. way. I mean, no. no. So, so in your in, in your like in your decorated career, sometimes it's not like it's not like fine wine, Albert. You know, it doesn't age well. Always, no, <laughs> no. I would, you know, I would say this. Um, sometimes, by the way, some companies' hands will be forced. Um, Partly because of a cost-cutting measure, maybe they've got it. They've got to deal with, and you start to look at like that amount of spend in IT, and you say, "Okay, I've I've got it. I'm going to deal with it." Some some companies' hands will be forced because the actual software vendors will put out a mandate of what they will and will not support, and where they will innovate for the future. And so you're either on that train or you're not. I think the working, the aging workforce, and for certain types of like coding skills or other things, will force a hand too because. Like some people, the institutional knowledge just is sometimes it just goes away, and then you you have yeah. ri- you have risk, right? You just have risk. Um, sometimes it's a cyber threat, like will force your hand to say, okay, we can't live like this anymore. So there's all these like very practical things that I think force the hand. Um, you know, when we work with our clients, we kind of zoom, try to zoom out a little bit, and we say like, listen, if it's like too daunting of a thing to figure out and tackle, you do have to chunk it up. And then you got to make decisions strategically about what's worth chunking up and tackling and what's worth waiting. What's what's it aging like a fine wine, Albert? Like, what do you let age a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. But um, you, and to make that strategic decision, it comes back to, I think, your company's strategy and where you derive value, which generally gets you back pretty fast to your customers. Right. So so and where you want to grow. So I think the point is, like, wherever you, wherever you derive your competitive advantage as an organization, like that thing, that needs to be the fast thing, Patty, right? That needs to be the place where you're harnessing the data and you're making strategic decisions because that's where you get value as an organization. I've said this before, Albert, to you on a previous, like say no CFO ever says, man, 
I cannot wait to put in a new general ledger. Why don't they, they don't say that? They don't, they, they have to do it. They know they've got to do it. But like, you know what I mean? They're like, I don't get value from closing the books. I get value from um, maybe my FP&A function where I'm forecasting out in my business and I'm using good data to make better decisions, yeah. to make investment allocation decisions, right? So I think like every function and every part of a business has a place where they derive value. Wherever that is, I think that's where you start. So if you have to chunk the thing up, you know, there's a way to do it and, and like roadmap it out that feels a little bit more palatable and safe and maybe more cost effective. That's kind of generally how we try to break it down, you know, and mostly those roads do lead to the customer at some point because that's why you're in business, you know? The thing that you said about the technical debt and also the knowledge debt, mm-hmm. like there starts to become a gap where there's not enough people to even support That's the right. older thing, which will be a forcing function. I was reading about how like this, I want to say it's a state in New Jersey, but I can read, I'll, I'll add the right state if I'm wrong, had like all their systems were built on cobalt and like they were run, and the cost of supporting were getting astronomical. And they were asking these consultancies, like, why does, um why is it getting more and more expensive? Are you just milking the government? It's like, no, there's literally no one that knows this language anymore. And the people that do, and the people that do, they want a lot of money. So what are we going to do here? hundred <laughs> percent. Like there's like, it's not taught, it's not used, like no young or aspiring developer is going to learn this language that's only used in just a couple places. Yeah. Like you're seeing it with like mainframe to cloud right now, like the yeah. old mainframes built on very specific languages. And that's a generation of people that have known that. Yeah. That is going to retire and we'll have less and less of them. So you, you've got to cross the chasm at some point into the newer tech and that will spur and that will spur a different cost profile over time. And that will spur a degree of innovation and the promise of it. But Everyone's going to have a different journey to get there. It's like everything in life, you know, for every company, it'll be a different journey for everybody. Well, listen, I, I now I got to ask you this question because we at Mission are doing some, you know, we're, we are always looking to improve. We're not as reliant on technology, but we're currently reviewing Jim, uh, Jim Collins, good to great book. And in it, he talks about technology is not actually the differentiator that you think it is. And he says, it's like the last thing that and kind of goes back to what you were talking about, Jenny, like what is the core business? How does it satisfy customers? I'd love to hear your opinion on this. And I'll use this example right now. When Netflix first offered streaming, of course, it rose to the top of the streaming ranks. It has since fallen quite a bit because that streaming technology is now available seemingly to everybody. And what I was reading this article about, like Netflix's biggest problem is they don't have the content library that the others have. It used to be they were the only platform that was delivering streaming so they could rely on other libraries and maybe some okay shows, but not super popular shows. But companies like Disney, companies like HBO Max, or Disney has now surpassed Netflix in total subs, but they have ESPN catalog, Hulu catalog. They have their own obvious uh, animated catalog, Pixar catalog, Marvel catalog. And they said technology has become, it's flattened. It's not a differentiator in stream anymore. And therefore now it goes back to what did the customers really want is they wanted the content. And so that's just one example of technology not being a differentiator, even though it thought it was. I'm curious, do you see that? Like, is this speed that's happening going to continuously flatten that technology curve? Because it is available to everybody. You just got to choose to invest in it. It's going to flatten the curve and bring it back to like the company's core services and products. Like that's going to have to be the differentiator again. So it's like ebbs and flows, right? You have to, you have to invest in the technology just to be on par but once you're on par, it goes back to your services. I'd love to hear like your opinions on this. Like, how do you encourage the investment? Because like I could see someone saying like, "Well, it's going to be the same." Like, I don't. How do I? How do I move faster? How do you guys think about technology's role in like winning these advantages? 
I'll start with Patty. That was a complicated question. I tend to ramble (laughs) my questions. A little (laughs) complicated. No worries. I mean, I would, I would say like the technology of streaming might not, it might be the same, right? It's not like you have to buy more technology to change the way you stream. But going back to my earlier comment, when we said, you know, what is the kind of number one strategic priority, uh, business priority for CEOs out there. We, we ran a survey, 50, 56% of them said growth. How do you focus on growth with that efficiency and sustainability? You may be the number one streaming right now. Once you fall, what happens? You got to think about ad sales, right? We're not only working with Netflix, but even others out there, um, streaming services to start thinking about how do we how do we go about ad sales because that's actually a missed opportunity from revenue, right? What are other lines of revenue that you can start opening for your business to continue that growth that you have? And then also from a productivity front, 91% of organizations out there say they need a solution to automate processes so they can do more with less. Where can we cut costs? I hate to say this, but, you know, when you think about call centers, you know, um, many of them are saying, how do we cut the people aspect? How do we go from 1,500 down to 500? The only way to do that is how do you think about automation? And it's not just automation when you, uh, this this term out there now, hyper automation, Mm. right? It's not a product. It's not a thing. Um, If you think about hyper hyper automation for an organization is thinking through all the different processes and people processes and organization processes. How do you hyper automate the entire thing to find the best outcome you can get to save on cost um, and, you know, uh, gain as much revenue as you can? I hope that answered your question. (laughs) I don't know if my question has an answer, but I'd love to hear your opinions. Albert, I would say, I think our perspective is there is no such thing as value creation without it being digital value creation. I think that's just the way of the world. Um, and and I think what your story is, the one you just told there about Netflix is, is fascinating because um, it also speaks, what I, he, what I hear in that story also when I anchor on is just the pace at which the world changes, right? Yeah. Like your position of strength you have today, um, you could feel good about that but it will change, you know, and the pace at which that happens for companies, the, the pace at which companies lose value, um, you know, the number of listed companies that remain, it, it, it's dwindling, yeah. right? There's a reason companies lose value. And so I think, I think digital is like a muscle and a mindset. And if you, it will help you stay agile and nimble and resilient. Like that's what it will do. It will help you play defense in the worst of times against your competitors and it will help you be nimble to innovate for the future. And that, like, to me, that's how I, you know, I think we as a firm view digital and it's like value creation. There is no such thing without it being digital value creation in this world. And um, I think that's just the reality. And that's it speaks to the pace at which things change, including the pace at which your competitive landscape can shift on you in your business very fast. And so are you in the reinvention business as a C-suite and a board of thinking about your competitive positioning? What does that look like for your industry? Uh, Where do you cross-pollinate and learn from other industries? Like that's a mindset um, to be this kind of insurgent in your world to be able to be resilient over time. And I think that's a muscle and that's a mindset uh, more than it is anything else, you know, more than it is like picking the right technology. It's just like it engenders this mindset of a pace of change and innovation 
that I think um, you know every management team and every board ought to be worried about whether or not they have that kind of thinking and talent. Well said. Listen, the fast is going to eat the slow. I mean, that is exactly this is where we're going full circle right there. And then I didn't think of it framed that way, but that is very well framed in that both of you, right? It's it's the reality is like no matter what advantages you have, the real reality is that your market is going to change, your competition's going to change. Those who move fast are going to be able to change faster. So you're not customer centric and you can't move fast you're probably going to lose something. You're going to lose something. Like it's, it's very hard to stay at the top. Really? This is what I'm keep hearing. Um, which is also exciting for a lot of startups because Hey, no one's, no one's indefensible, right? Like everyone's playing deep. Everyone can be, every market can be challenged. You know, in order to move forward also, there's a lot of, you know, investment, technological investment development inside in-house. I was hoping you guys could share a little bit about this uh, acquisition of a company called Netrovert. And I don't want to spoil it for everyone and speak for you, but uh, Jenny, there's a new acquisition, Netrovert. Give us an idea of what's going on in that space. Yeah, this, we're very excited about it. So, so we closed, uh, we did close an acquisition of a company called Netrovert. Uh, they are a company that primarily specialized and are quite excellent in um, MealSoft. And we targeted them for that reason. So MealSoft is a leader in what it does. And that's stitching together kind of uh, orchestrator layer. Connecting the unconnectable. I love saying it. Connecting the unconnectable. So <laughs> Um, and so we've enjoyed a partnership with MealSoft over time and Netrovert directly, you know, we had them as a business partner of ours for about the past three years, you know, so we got to know them, we worked with them together. But the bottom line is in order to fulfill our mission to help our clients do all the things, Albert, we just spent some time talking about, you know, we needed to bolster our capabilities so we could stay nimble and we could stay relevant. And, um, you know, this MealSoft capability is one of those that we felt was essential for our ability to deliver our promise to our our customers, our clients. And so um, we knew Netrovert, culturally very aligned, and uh, managed to bring them in-house here. So we we couldn't be more excited. And I think the promise of what we can do together is all that much greater because we have this capability. I think, you know, Patty, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think it further strengthens... um, you know, our signal and position to the partnership with you all. And I think what we can also collectively do in the market. Yeah. And I, I mean, we, we keep talking about the fast eating, the slow. Netrovert is actually a perfect story around that. They're a services company. They actually used to deliver only for a competitor of MealSoft. <laughs> Um, that shall not be named. <laughs> that shall not be named. But as they continue to see where the market was going, they they made the decision. Let's start cross training our people because we can't lose our customers. They're all going to MuleSoft, right? Let's start kind of building that bench of folks and those you know trained and certified resources to go deliver these projects. Um, and then they they are they became a hundred percent MuleSoft. Um, they started actually delivering on behalf of our uh, professional services team as well. Um, so they're a tried and true, you know, trusted delivery partner for us. And we are absolutely excited with the acquisition by PwC of this partnership because it just strengthens both PwC and Netrover. And we're super excited to continue delivering, not only um, delivering strategy, but executing for our clients as well. You know, we had Jay Atkinson from PwC on the show a while back, and he was talking about upskilling and he was talking about how how many people need to be upskilled, not just at PwC, but anywhere, everywhere around the world, PwC included. And this is one of those things that kind of plays into that, right? Because it's like, you are I'm sure you're going to also want other people to know <laughs> to do this. Give us an idea, Jenny. And, you know, Patty, I'd love to hear from you too. Like, 
what does acquiring this type of knowledge do for your ability to upskill your own people? Because I feel like this is a, I mean, this is exactly why you, you want to do something like this. It's like, hey, I need the experts to teach more people on my side as well. I mean, th- for us, for sure, there's like a very direct, um, that's a very direct step of what we what we hope happens is that, you know, we have a broader pool of folks now that can help upskill and train another generation of it. The other, the other thing I think it does is it continues to fulfill our mission to try to, um, you know, be the kind of digital consultant to our clients that we aspire to be, which is one that is constantly looking at what needs to be connected, not just in one silo and one thing we do, yeah. but, you know, there, the, the radiation effect of what you could be doing over here in one part of an organization has a connection to another place. We have the capabilities to put all that together. And so I think it reinforces what is our brand when we come in as a digital consultant to our clients, which is we are here to help connect you to your strategy, bring it to life. Doing that requires doing all this stuff digitally. And P.S., we can help you connect those dots. So that's the other part of that upskilling is just that continued connection to a higher purpose of a message and a strategy for a company and what they're trying to accomplish. There you go. Well, Jenny, Patty, it was awesome having you both on the show. Thanks for sharing what's happening in the digital consultancy world. Thanks for sharing what's happening at MuleSoft. It's it's mind-boggling and it's also expected, right? I always think of it this way. It's like, yeah, we know change is happening, but it's hard to conceptualize how hard it is and the, and the rapid pace at which big companies need to move to make this happen. Uh, we talked about that Netflix example, I think is a great one just because I was reading about it today and and it just it just goes to show like you can be no, you can go from number one to somewhere else so fast in the blink of an eye like you yep. next thing you know you turn around like we're normal I think Disney Plus has only been out for like two years maybe less. Well, the other one I was thinking about was actually Peloton, right? Oh yeah, Peloton during the pandemic shot up, right? And then they were kind of number one. It was everybody was going crazy. All these companies delivering, you know, coming up with exercise bikes and. You know, then they kind of went down and then now they're they're trying to find new ways like they're even, I think, selling on Amazon. I think the article was uh, Peloton is now selling on Amazon to try and, you know, uh, let consumers kind of reach broader, broader set of consumers out there. I saw this crazy stat about how during the pandemic, as you suggested, Patty, like our habits change and how digital consumerism shot through the roof. Most people, I guess, expected this type of e-commerce demand to stay. But then as the world opened up, it fell like off a cliff. And like now there's all these DTC companies that are like struggling. They are struggling. They have to diversify channels because what they thought was going to be true has turned out to be not true. (laughs) Yeah. Even on the, I mean, going back to the upskilling conversation, I mean, when everybody was stuck in their homes, everybody was taking all different classes. I know Salesforce certification shot through the roof and, you know, everybody's, everybody's trying to upskill themselves. My recommendation is don't stop that yeah. because the world is just changing and it's, it's changing like faster than ever before. You need to be upskilled and you need to be where the, the trends are, where the use cases are, and you need to be able to know what products are out there to be at the top. Yeah. Well, that, that is very, very true. I want to say thank you both for joining us today on IT Visionaries. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform, digital transformation for every experience. Jenny and Patty, Jenny, you already know this, but Patty, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so that we can get to know you a little better. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I'm just going to fire off questions. We started with upskilling. 
What's a skill that you want to learn? What, what are you going to invest in yourself next? Jenny. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know what I'd like to do, Albert? I would like to be a better cook. Yeah? <laughs> yes. I know it's maybe not during with this topic of upskilling in this in this way, but I would like to I would like to up level myself in the kitchen. <laughs> you can teach me too. I suck. Patty, how about yourself? What would you like to learn? With me, I am actually on a mission to become an executive coach. So um, I've people managed for a good number of years now, and I think it's time to really kind of put those skills uh, and you know get a stamp of approval um, and become an official executive coach. All right. Now I got to ask, how do you get better at that? Because like with hard skills, it's typically repetition. So like cook, if I was to learn how to cook, I could just repeat it and I would get better. It's harder to, I feel like it's harder to upskill and soft skills. How do you go about practicing that? Ooh, um, I'm learning. And <laughs> I think it's, it's all about, um, I think, deeply listening, really listening to your people or the, the person you're speaking to, um, and then taking that step back and reflecting before providing support or a response. Jenny, what's the next industry that you want to see go through a monumental shift? You could be anything, something that you think would benefit yourself as a consumer. Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, and you, don't, you don't have to be what you think. What you, tell me what you want. <laughs> I'd say uh, like transportation in the U.S. Yeah, they, they have a lot of problems right now. <laughs> Patty, what's, the, what's an industry that you want to transform? Uh, I don't know. This one might get me in trouble. It's not really an industry, but politics. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just change it all? Fair enough. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Our minds kind of crossed with politics myself is uh, education system. We uh, so desperately need an overhaul. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun having you both on the show. I loved hearing your stories of what's going on in the industry. I loved hearing your stories of what is happening. The idea that this, I mean, I, I maybe I've read that before, but I don't know. But like the idea that the fast is going to eat the slow is I mean, that's better than software is eating the world because I think software is here, right? It's like it's not eating anything. It's just part of life. But I do believe what you said there. I think the fast will eat the slow. And Jenny, I see you have a lot of work ahead of you to get these companies to go faster <laughs> because you just told me that you just did a study. You've never seen someone not moving, like save money by holding off and delaying all this transformation. <laughs> yep. Thanks for you both joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thank you, Albert. Good to be with you. Thank you, Albert.